in this place. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. Uh, get your phone out. Uh, if you don't, it's going to be out, or get your Bible out. Um, it's going to be on the screen behind us. And uh, man, we're, we made it through chapter 1, and, and chapter 2 uh, is an exciting time, and I'm super excited. This is one of my favorite chapters in the whole entire Bible. Uh, again, uh, Paul doesn't let up, and, and I want to read it with you. So Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to read uh, through verse 10 this morning. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. The course of the world, following the prince of the power of the now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So the first couple of verses, they don't sound exciting. They don't sound fun. They don't sound encouraging. But the best two words, uh, I think, in the entire Bible happen right here in verse 4. And it says this, but God. This is the best two verses, in, uh, best two words in the Bible. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. Verse 7 says, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. It's saying all of that is shown through the person of Jesus. You want to know how kind, how loving, how good God is? Look at the person of Jesus, because that's where he proved it. In verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift from God, not a result of works, so that no man, no one can boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you uh, for all the good in the world. Father, with all the bad that's going on in the world, it's so easy to focus our attention on those things and lose sight of the good God that we serve. And Father, uh, but we don't dismiss those things. We pray for peace. We pray uh, for things to happen, what need to happen uh, in order for peace to come. And so, Father, we trust you. You're a sovereign God. It's in your hands and you're in control. Uh, Father, we pray protection and love and peace around those people and those families. Uh, Father, I also pray uh, for our family here in this place. We believe that you're going to provide every need. Uh, Father, we thank you, not just for the physical blessing, but the spiritual blessing that we've been talking about, that you provide in Christ Jesus. Uh, and, and we're just so thankful. And I pray that you would uh, orient our hearts this morning around the good news of the gospel, which is your son, Jesus. We thank you. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We live in a world who's obsessed with, we, we love rescue stories, okay? If you look at a lot of the movies, uh, look at a lot of the television shows or a lot of things that entertain us, a lot of it deals with a story of some type of rescue. Uh, we, the, the, the top grossing movies uh, of our time are all superhero movies. They're all Marvel movies. Uh, I think it's number one because we see supernatural things happen and also because it's a great rescue story. And if you would get your eyes and understand that this entire book that we call the Bible, that we love and that we submit our lives to under, it's a giant rescue story. 
And that changes your perspective. When, if, you're, if you're looking at it as a book of rules, I challenge you this morning, look at it at, at, in right perspective that it's a book about a rescue story that God from the beginning had a plan uh, to, to bring us back to him through the person of Jesus because of our sin. And so uh, this morning, that's what, I, there's so much to unpack this morning. I wanna give you three things that we're gonna see in the text today. Number one, God saved us from God. That sounds crazy. Why would uh, we need to be saved from a loving God? We'll get to that. But God saved us from God. God saved us uh, by himself, by God himself, and he saved us for him. So again, if you're writing these three things down, he saved us from him, he saved us by him, and he saved us for him. And we see all these things laid out in the text that we see this morning. How many of you have children? Anybody have children? Uh, if you don't have children, uh, maybe if you work with children, if you've been around children, you'll see this is true. Uh, and I see it in my own children. I saw it when I was a kid. Kids don't hesitate to ha hide their badness, right? Are you agree with me as parents? Like your kids aren't trying to hide their badness. Like they are very blatant about it. They are very open about it. This week, if you come and hang out at the Rodriguez house, you're not just going to hear worship music going and hey babe I love you. you're gonna hear ah that's mine leave me alone right because kids they, they don't hide their badness and it made this picture as I was reading through this and praying through this this week in my home I heard Briella about to tear her sister's head off because that doll was hers and it was hers alone and you're not gonna mess with it and she in the open was sharing her selfishness right she wasn't trying to hide it she wanted to make it known that she is selfish and that is my doll. And some of you are looking at me like, my Lord, you just call your three-year-old daughter selfish? I did. She's selfish. She wants to everybody else to share, but she doesn't want to share, right? Now, what makes it funny is that adults, we have that same type of nature. We're very good at hiding it. We're very good when, when somebody uh, is celebrating something in our, you know, on the outside, we give, remember here at Real, we say the Christian smile, we're like, oh, that's like, good for you. But inside, oh my God, I can't believe they get to get experience. I can't believe God blessed that. Like that, that, that girl, she does not need, you know, we, all these things go internally because that is our nature. And in the first uh, four verses, you, let, don't, let me not get ahead of myself. The first person, the most important person to ever exist in our uh, time as the world existed is the person of, good, you get an A plus, whoever said that, Jesus. That's the most important person that's ever walked this planet Earth. Now, if I were to go to you and say, all right, well then who would be the second most important person? Our answer would be, husbands, you should have said my wife, you would have got brownie points, you would have been, but it's not our wives. It is the person of Adam. Okay? The Bible explains in, in Romans and Corinthians, we see this picture that uh, all men have nature of, that deserves wrath when you're born. That's why Jesus, when people come to him, what must I do to be saved? You must be born again. There, there has to be a second uh, birth that happens. And of course, we know he's speaking of a spiritual birth. So you are either in Adam or you are either in Christ. There's two types of people in not just this room, but the world we live in, they're either in Adam or they're in 
Christ. Now, the first person, if you are in Adam, you are destined for wrath. Now, that sounds crazy. That sounds uh, kind of uh, evil to speak of from this so-called Bible that we believe is good, that is for us, that for, to speak of a God who loves us and is for us. But we can't, in our view of God, elevate one uh, part of God. Yes, God is love, but he's not only love. God is sovereign, but he's not only sovereign, right? Uh, God is also, he's also a just God. So sin must be punished. And so some of us in this room, you might be living in Adam. That means you, you just haven't submitted your life under the authority of Christ. You haven't given your life to him. And, and right now you're sitting, and it's loving in me to tell you that, right? When, when our kids, when my little, if you're around legend, you know, you'll see him after service. He's waiting by that door because he wants to walk out that door. If he sees an open door, he's gone. And, and the loving thing that I do is I say, legend, get back, right? And that's even more loving of me to not just warn him, but to go grab him and say, get back here because there's a lot of danger out there, right? And so it's loving for me, for those of you who don't confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to tell you, and I am warning you, you are in, uh, in Adam and you are headed for God's wrath. Now, if the good news is if you are in Christ, and the good news is for those who are in Adam, you can so easily be in Christ. We, we saw in, first, or in the first chapter of Ephesians, over 15 times, uh, Paul is referencing in Christ, in him, uh, hidden in him. And all of us can be in that place. You just have to throw your hands up and surrender your life to Jesus. And he wants good and nothing good for you. And so here, I want to look at the first couple of verses and what God saves us. What does he save us from? Okay. We were dead in our trespasses. Okay. You were dead. The, the, the original Greek word uh, there and dead is like a corpse. So it's not like you were dormant. You, you were dead, dead in your sins. And, and in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air. He's speaking of the devil here. Uh, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature, uh, there it is again, children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Let me talk about good news isn't good until you know that there's bad news, right? And so God saved us from this. God saved you because he's speaking to Christians because he says you were once dead in your trespasses. And so he's speaking to believers, people who love Jesus, and he's saying, hey, do you remember you were once dead? He saved you from, we believe as Christians there are, uh, there's a spiritual realm. We believe that there's spiritual warfare happening, and that we talk about this all the time, that uh, the devil is to still kill and destroy your life. He wants your marriage to end in divorce. He wants you to give over to alcoholism. He wants you to give over to your addiction to pornography. He wants you uh, to be selfish. He wants you to be all these things because he knows if he can get you to, to give in to those, that he will still and destroy you. And that's what we believe. So he's saving us from being controlled by that. You're either led by the Spirit, what 1 Corinthians tells us, or you're controlled by the prince of the air. And we've talked about this in previous series. How 
good he is at it. You and I can't be passive uh, Christians in our series right now, sit, walk, stand, and we'll get to it in the later chapters of Ephesians, but we have to stand against the schemes of the enemy. If you're passive, you, we see in this world, uh, evil is all around you. Evil is all around your kids. It, it's so easy for your kids and, and even us as adults to, to be played as fools by the enemy because he's so good at his job. And, and I challenge you, you have to be aware. You have to be aware on where the enemy is trying to work in your life. He might try to get you to be more hateful. He might be trying to get you to be more selfish. He might be trying to get your eyes on yourself and it's about me, me, me. Just like what I hear kids say, that that's mine. And it's all about me. And it's crazy to think that in 2022, that even telling myself and telling you that we as adults have to remind ourselves, the world doesn't revolve around me. That's tough news this morning, that the world doesn't revolve around you, doesn't revolve around me. And, and the reason being is because we are by nature children of wrath. So by nature, you like evil, you like being selfish, you like being hateful, you like gossiping. You, we, we like these things because it's in our nature, but we can't be controlled by those things. We have to fight them with the fruit of the Spirit. And so God saved us from all of his wrath. Now, the, here, here's the good thing. Again, that's if you are in Adam, you are in, in path of wrath. But if you are in Christ, your sin has been paid for in the past. It's been paid for right now. And it has been paid for forever. If I were to come up to some of you this morning and say, hey, I have this person uh, and, and they want to cancel all your debt that you've accumulated. Some of you in this room, you would be like in tears, you would be excited, you would be so excited that you no longer have any debt to your name, right? And then I would continue to say, not only does this person want to pay your debt from what you have, but everything that you from now on accumulate, they want to pay for. Some of you would just be like, oh my God, like, I, I don't even know what to say. I want to give you a hug. Can I, can I kiss your feet? That's a little gross. Uh, but you, you would go uh, to a, a place that you would be so thankful that this person would, in, his, in their love, do this for you when you didn't do anything. You, you, you didn't serve them. You don't even know them. And then they just continue to say, yeah, any debt, it's canceled. Man, our, our uh, thankfulness towards them we would feel like we owe our life to them, right? Yet, when I tell you in the spiritual realm, this is what God has done. Some of us are very, oh, that's cool. That, that's, that's exciting. What, and that's when, that's why as Christians, we can lift our hands and say, God, I need you. How? I need you. Thank you. I love you. I, I'm thankful this morning for your faithfulness. Because that's what God did for us spiritually. He said, you are forgiven. I paid for it. How did he pay for it? Jesus. That makes God a just God. That doesn't make God a dismissive God. Because sin had to be paid for. It had to. And God came up with this plan that I'm going to send my one and only son, Jesus, to pay for the sin of the world. 
past, present, and future so that my children can spend eternity with me. That is good news. So God saved us from him. God saved us from him. And then we see in the next couple of verses that God saved us and he tells us how he did it. And it says, but God. I tell Christians all the time, there's going to be times where I want to get to a place where people in real church are coming up here before I preach or maybe even after I preach or, or maybe we make videos. And I want people to tell their story. And when you ask people to tell their story, they're like, oh, they get all antsy. And I simply tell them, we're going to tell your but God story. And it's so simple. Before, man, I used to love doing X, Y, Z. But then God, he changed all that. I don't, I don't want to do those things anymore. I don't want to partake in those things anymore because God and so you have this story. We see it in Paul's life. Paul was killing Christians. He was trying. He was trying to destroy the church. And so if anybody understood but God, it was the Apostle Paul. I want to ask you this morning, man, what is your but God this morning? That, that story should be embedded in your heart if you call yourself a believer. And this morning, if you don't have a but God story, uh, he's inviting you that you can have a but God story, right? I, I shared a uh, couple, I think it was last week, that I was selfish, I was devious, uh, I was a manipulator, but God, and now I, I don't want to do those things. I don't want to lie. I don't want to manipulate people. I, I, I want to love people. I want to care for people. I want to be selfless towards people. I want them to, when they leave hanging out for me, that they didn't just hear about grand old me, but that they felt important that they felt loved and they felt seen because I want to be the most selfless person that you interact with. But if I didn't have that but God, man, that would have never happened. If you ask some of my family members, they would have tell you, if I didn't have that but God, I would probably be in jail or I would probably doing a lot of illegal activity uh, to get me in jail. And the, the other day I hung out with my aunt. She goes, to think that you have a family and you're pastoring a church just blows my mind. And I'm like, that's not that crazy. Come on. And she's like, no, it's pretty crazy. And, and it just reminds me, but God, man, but God. Some of you could, if I were to ask you to share right now, some of you used to be addicted to alcohol. At some point you would say, man, but God, he like just took that desire from me. He, he, he did something, and guess what? That's why here at Real Church, I don't worry about moralizing our church. God will take care of that, right? I, I just point you to the person who takes care of that. And, and I would, I, I'm, not, I'm not a parent expert, but I would encourage you as parents, don't moralize your children because that can be defeated. That can be overcome. What can't be is a person. Man, you point your children to a person, God will take care of the morals. I'm not saying we don't teach them, but don't, don't make that the all in all in your home. Because he will take care of those things. God saved us from him and he saved us by him. And so I want to see, but God being rich in mercy. I love that the Apostle Paul didn't just say in his mercy, but being rich in it. God has 
plenty of mercy to hand out. What is mercy? Grace is getting something we don't deserve, and mercy is not getting what we do deserve. We do deserve by nature wrath, but in his mercy, being rich in it, never ending, he has so much of it that he freely gives away. Rich in mercy, he says, because of his great love, which he loved us. A lot of times in our world, uh, we can say, man, this person has so much of this. That shouldn't impress us, right? That, that shouldn't say, oh my gosh, like they have so much. But if I were to say, man, this person has so much and they give so much and they prove it by just loving those people around us. Man, God didn't just, just sit up in heaven and say, I have all this mercy, I have all this grace. But he says, man, I'm going to show you that I love you, right? In our world in 2022, words do not matter to anybody. Actions matter to people nowadays. They want to see, right? Uh, I referenced the, this show last week on Netflix. We were watching it again, the finale, and this guy kept saying, man, I, I, he kept telling this girl, man, I know I can't live this single life that I've been living, and he just kept telling her over and over, and me and my wife were like, dude, you got to start showing her now because those words don't matter. You need to prove because that's the type of people that we are, and God knows that, and because he knew that, he said, I'm going to show you that I love you. I'm not just going to tell you, I'm going to show you. And over and over, from the moment you, you, from the moment you lay your head down to, to even the time you are laying and you're sleeping and you're resting, and to the moment you wake up and you go through your day, God is constantly showing you, I love you. I'm there with you. And, and some might say, man, it sure doesn't feel like it. And I would ask you and challenge you, could you go to him in thankfulness? Because we sing about his faithfulness, but sometimes we don't act like he is faithful. And over and over, God has showed himself faithful. And it says, it continues, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. I've, uh, in this series, have referenced you. God isn't trying to make you good. That wasn't God's mission when he sent Jesus, when he, he came up with this creation. His plan is not to make you good. You were dead, so you were of no worth. So God doesn't, let me paint this picture for you. God doesn't walk into a hospital and say, all right, I need to give you a dose of this medicine because this dose of medicine is gonna make you talk better, live better, act better. That, that's not God's mission. And that's kind of the picture that we've seen in the church that man, he's just trying to make me a better version of who I am. And if I become this better version, he'll love me more. And that's not what God's doing because you weren't good in the beginning. We read that in the first couple of verses. We were dead in our trespasses. So he's not walking into a hospital trying to give you this medication that'll make you better. But in actuality, what he does is he walks into a morgue full of dead people. And he says, I make you alive. I make you alive. And I make you alive. And you had nothing to do with it all because I love you. Now, if you think about that, that's such good news that God would choose you, right? We, we read in, first, in Ephesians 1 last, these last couple of weeks that he chose us, he, he redeemed us, he forgave us, he adopted us. He did all of that, again, proving that he loves you. And so him saving us from him, him saving us by him, 
And it continues that uh, even when you were dead, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. It was by grace. Grace unmerited, unfavored, undeserved, nothing you and I did. That's, that's how we were saved and raised up with him, seated with us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show his immeasurably riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Now, some people would read that and be like, aha, there it is. That's what I uh, brought to the table that I had to believe. I had to have this faith. I had to uh, make this decision, uh, which you did, because we have free will and we have choices. But even that faith, he says, and I gave you that. Last week I painted the picture of that's like you giving your kids money and they go buy you a present for your birthday. And they're like, yeah, I bought you that. And you're like, well, really, I gave you that money. I bought it for me, right? But guess what? As a parent, what do you still do? You still appreciate. You're like, man, my kid, they love me. They took the time to go do that with my money. They still love me. And so there it is that God, he saved us by him. He did all the work, and he proves it right here. He goes, and this is not your own doing. That's one of my favorite. I, I told you weeks and weeks ago that I've thought about getting this tattooed on myself, that this is not your own doing. Your life that you think you by yourself have built, not your own doing. You think your education, not your own doing. You think your kids are so great, not your own we know that's not your own doing, amen? Not your own doing. Your marriage, not your own doing. Because all of those things, we would have screwed up. We continue to almost try and screw those things up. But God in his grace and his love and his mercy continues to be good towards us when we don't deserve it. And he says, hey, you can't pat yourself on the back. I don't care how humble you are, everybody at some point likes to pat themselves on their back. And God takes that ability from us when it comes to our salvation. He says, you wouldn't have chosen me. I chose you. And I love you. And this is not your own doing. Why? Because it's a gift from God. A gift from God that he says, here you go. It's free. All you got to do is accept it. It's yours. I love you. What does it come with? Ah, it doesn't come with any conditions. I trust that the gift is so good that your life will be changed forevermore because of it. It's a free gift. And that's how we see that not only are we saved from him, but we're saved by him. I promise this all has a point and it comes to this because we were saved for him. It says, not a result of works so that no one may boast. There again, he continues to show you that, hey, because he knows in other religions, in Buddhism, in Hinduism, in, in, in uh, Judaism, in all types of religions, you work for God's love. Your, your house in heaven is based upon what you do. If you get to heaven, is based upon what you do, but not Christianity. This is what separates Christianity from any other religion in the world, is that he did it. In other religions, you have to earn it. And it says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. For what? For good works. 
man, every day God is presenting opportunities to you that every day we miss out of our selfishness, out of our greed, out of our uh, excuses to, to bring glory to God in our workplaces, to our families, uh, to those around us. Because he says, man, I've prepared these things for you, right? So he doesn't say, all right, team, let's huddle up on a Sunday, and, and this is what I need you to do. Right? He, we, we gather, and, and God, from the moment we walk out of here, he's prepared good works for you. You're going to leave here, and there is going to be an opportunity for you to bring glory to God in some way. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we were coming back from my parents, and we had a flat, and we were we had just gotten out of La Mesa uh, on to the highway here to Midland, and I noticed the car was swerving a little more, and I checked the pressure gauge because it had gone off earlier, but I turned it off, and I noticed that the tire pressure was at 9, 9 PSI, and I was like, oh my gosh. And so I pull over, and, and I, sure enough, we look at the tire that I just bought like three months ago, and it was completely flat. And I was like, all right, well, we start getting out of the car, uh, we get the jack out of the car, and I, I try to park the car on a level surface, and, and I begin just taking off, you know, breaking the lug nuts and going ev through everything that you need to do to change a tire. And a truck comes in, and it's just this uh, little man, oh, you know, old man, and he comes up, and he's like, well, that doesn't look fun. And I was like, yeah, you think, sir? Like, you know, I'm, you're so focused, you're, you're not even, and he just walks, he didn't say, hey, I got this. He's just walking around his truck, and I'm not even paying attention, and he, he walks up with a, a cordless impact. Uh, he, walk, he goes, I, I think I got a better jack in the car, in the truck. And I was like, that would be great because, you know, the jacks in the cars, those things are worthless. Like, they have got to come up with a better solution. Uh, anyway, and so he brings the jack, man. I, I, everything's broken. We pump that up. And I change the tire. I get his impact. Burp, 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 uh, and we were ready to go in like 15, 20 minutes. Uh, and I was excited. And I just talking to this guy, and man, we just got to talking. He was a believer, and I was like, you know, as I filter everything through, like, man, what kind of church do we want to be? I was like, man, we just need more people like this guy. We just need more guys who are willing to be selfless and stop. Like God ordained that moment for him. He prepared that moment for that man that he could have easily just gone right by. And that's what you and I, for the most part, right, we, we do a lot of the times. Now, sometimes we, we do great and we're obedient. We're like, man, we, we need to help. Literally two days later, I think maybe it had been the day later, we're driving. I get off the Loop 250 and I'm getting on to La Mesa and there's a car in the middle lane with its hazards and its hood up. And I'm driving. I'm like, oh, man, I hope they're okay. <laughs> Being off. And Adriana looks at me with them, uh, from the passenger side, and she's like, you're not going to stop? I was like, oh, man, I'm sure they're okay. They're chilling in their truck. And so I just keep driving, right? And she goes, you're seriously not going to stop? And I was like, I mean, they're, they're sitting in their truck. That means they're probably good, and they've called somebody. She goes, what if that guy would have said that? What if that guy would have just kept driving by? And this is where I get defensive and prideful. I still would have changed my dang tire, right? <laughs> like, ain't nothing stop me from changing my tire. But the whole point was, man, what an opportunity I had to be selfless, and I missed it. I missed the opportunity to love somebody, to point them to Jesus. And it would have taken what? Even if I would have just said, are you okay? And I thought of the parable 
when uh, the, the, the person is in need of help. And, it's, and it describes the kind of people that walked by. It was a religious person that walked by and didn't help. It was a pastor who walked by and didn't help. I was like, oh my God, I'm that guy in the story. Like, I just completely failed and I missed it. All because I didn't want to take an extra 30 seconds to roll down my window and to check on them if they were okay. I could have been a blessing to them. Now, thank God that God continues to put opportunities in front of us. He never stops. There's going to be opportunity after opportunity after opportunity for you to point someone to Jesus. It might be to stop and help them change their tire. It might be that you pay for their bill. It might be uh, you helping give a ride to somebody. It might be asking if you can help at their home. Whatever it may be, God is putting opportunities in front of us. Can we for a moment quit worrying about ourselves and our own plans and agenda and busy schedules to stop is somebody's life worth, is somebody's eternity worth that moment? I'm not saying that we have every, all the time, every time to stop and, and take time to do that. But God knows, and so he always places those moments in a specific time. He knew that I had an extra 10 minutes just to, I wasn't doing anything important. But out of my selfishness, I said, ah, they're okay. And I just kept going. And so this, this week, today, not just this week, today, you're going to have an opportunity that God has put in front of you to point someone to Jesus. And I would, uh, out of my own experience, and don't make an excuse. Don't, don't try to come up with something in your head. Just, just be selfless and loving and take that opportunity to do the good work that God has put in front of all of us beforehand that we should walk in them is what the verse says. Just walk in them. Because guess what? You're going to be that person one day. And you're going to hope that some person, like that man on the Midland Highway, stops. And he was so loving. He was so, like, man, that, that dude, he was so patient. And he, he just sat there and talked to me. And I, I was just, I felt like this man on a busy highway could have just kept going. But he said, you know what? I, God prepared this for me, and I need to walk in it. God saved us from him. God saved us by him. God saved us for him. Team, you can come up. So we see this in Ephesians 2 that God paints this picture. That the Apostle Paul paints this picture. And he says, look, man, I saved you, and this is what I saved you from. I don't want you to be in control of the enemy's plans for your life. I want you to be obedient and submissive to the good plans that I have for your life. Some of you, you've been trying to do things on your own. You're trying to figure it out on your own. You're, you're trying, uh, you're stubborn and you're hard-headed and your mama told you that from the beginning. And, and this morning, uh, I want to encourage all of us, man, let's be thankful that we have a God who saved us from that type of punishment, eternal punishment. Because in his loving and his rich uh, riches of grace and mercy, he says, man, I want to pay for it. And he did forever. He saved us from him and he saved us by him. There's no pressure on you. There's no pressure. The world always wants to put pressure on you. There's always pressure on you to be, to be, 
to be, to do, be better, work harder, be smarter, be richer. There's constant pressure in this world that we live in. And if there's something, some people, that, that, that's why don't view religion as a pressure, as a burden. But he says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. You don't have to be pressured. You don't have to be pressured to deal with that sadness by yourself. You don't have to be pressured to deal with that anger by yourself. Man, just, just bring it to me, he says. Because he does the work. He's always done the work. He's going to continue to do the work. And he'll always do the work. That's so counterintuitive uh, to what we've been taught in our world that you do the work and you're going to get anything out of this world from what you put into it. And so we carry that over into our Christian life and we're like, man, I gotta, I have so much pressure to do better and be a better person and not do this and not do that. And I'm here to encourage you, man, don't worry about that. Let God do that work. That's why we have the Holy Spirit living in us because he's working in all of that. He's working in your anger. He's working in your selfishness. He's working in your pride. He's working in all of that. He's doing it in a loving way. He does it like a surgeon, right? A surgeon, it, it, a surgeon cuts. A, a, a surgeon removes. A surgeon makes wounds. But guess what? You don't feel any of it. You might feel it afterwards, but for good. And that's what God is doing in all of our lives. He's like a surgeon, man, just day in and day out. And we're resisting to it. And we're like the, we're like the Apostle Paul when he says, man, I keep doing things that I don't want to do. And I don't do the things that I want to do. And we're, we're in this constant battle. And I'm here to encourage you. The pressure is not on you. He's got it. Take your hands off of whatever you've been putting your hands on. And I'm preaching to myself. So I'm the part, like, when I got news after I was done being mad about our building, I, man, I wanted to drive around town for the rest of the day. I even, I lined up, I walked the building the same day because that's who I am. And God reminds me, take your hands off of it. I got it. Let me do the work step back and, I, and I'm going to say for the next couple of weeks, months, days, however God wants to work, man, I trust you, God. I trust you. I know you have something for us. I know you have something good for us. But man, if I put my hands on it, which a lot of us try to do because we want to be in control of our own lives, we'll screw it up. We'll screw it up. Take your hands. He saved us from him. He saved us by himself. He did the work. He's doing the work. He saved us for him. You were created for him. You weren't created for anything else but to worship him. How can I worship him? You're breathing. You're living. You're not worried about your kids' missiles flying into their building, into their home. God, I know in some way, I don't know how, he will make all that for good. Thank God I don't understand because my mind is finite and we serve an infinite God. 
But this morning, I wanted to encourage you from Ephesians 2. Thank God we have a Savior in Jesus that you and I have to do nothing. And he chose us, and because he chose us, we place our faith in him and say, my life is yours. It's yours. Wherever you want to take me, whatever my next job is, whatever uh, my kids, whatever school they pick, whatever, whatever. God, I trust you. It's in your hands. I trust you. And this morning, that, that's my encouragement to all of us. Can we take our hands off? Because we serve a big God. We serve a good God. We serve a God who is for us. And I say this all the time. He is for us. And for a moment, if you could believe, man, he is for me. Because we struggle with that. I struggle with that. Because we live in a broken world. But if God is for me, who can be against me? What can be against me? I serve a God who's loving and powerful and everything's in his control. And we see that in this text of Ephesians 2. And that he chose us for all of this. He chose us for all of this. He chose us for all of this by his grace. And through faith, believing that God is for us, we can walk in what he's called us to walk in. Father, we love you. I thank you that your grace I can put no measure on it. Father, I, we don't deserve your goodness. But because Christ, because Jesus paid for it all, because you were rich in mercy, that you have an immeasurable amount of love and grace for us. You saved us from you. Father, this morning, I, my desire, and it's not even your desire, God, you, you desire for all to be saved, is what your word says. Nobody in this room, nobody watching this stream, nobody who will watch this, listen to this, has to be children of wrath. They don't have to be an Adam anymore. They can be born again, and they can be in Jesus, in Christ, in him, hidden in him, a home for him. Father, I pray that they would just submit their lives to Jesus. They would call on your name this morning and that this morning they would experience their but God moment. Father, I pray for those of us who've had the but God moment, but we've tried to put our hands on our own lives. We've tried to take control of our own lives. We've tried to pat ourselves on the back. God, I pray that we would just remember the but God I have this because of God. I wouldn't have this but God. It's all because of you. And for that reason, I can be here to serve you. Father, forgive me that I've missed some of those opportunities. But I thank you that you are presenting more opportunities today, tomorrow, the rest of the week in our workplaces, in our families, towards our children, towards our spouse, towards our bosses, towards strangers, that you've prepared works for them beforehand. I pray that as a church, here at Real Church, if we're going to live out the mission to point real people to a real Jesus with a real love, that we would walk in them, and that we would love those around us, Father. 
all because you're good and you've been good and you will always be good. So Father, this morning we take our hands on whatever we're trying to control. And by your grace, we live through faith. Father, we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name.